0: Good day, I'm Barry Green. Thanks for joining me on conversations on Radio WA 87.6 FM in East Perth and Western Tourist Radio in the southwest of Western Australia. My next guest is General John Hartley, the CEO and a director of Future Directions International. Good day, John. Good day, Barry. Your background is in the military. I first became aware of yourself when I saw a Facebook video of you opening the Food for Thought Festival in Albany in 2019. And as somebody involved in organic agriculture as well as tourism, I thought, well, that was an interesting conversation. So I've made contact with you. And um, I'm really keen to hear more about the work of Future Directions International and, uh, and how you see sort of foods fitting into the future.
1: Well, thank you very much. Um, essentially, our work is to look to the future and try to make judgments about where we're going. And, of course, the future is anything from tomorrow to however long we want to make it. Most of our work tends to look out as much as a generation, say, 25 years or so. One of the major areas that we started to look at about 10 years ago, in fact, and very few people were doing it at the time, was to try to make a determination about whether we would have a major global crisis with regard to food and water security by 2050. I might add that today most universities, for instance, have an area that looks at this, and it's become a very topical issue. So that's probably where food has has played a major role. And, of course, there are many factors that relate to this, and I can talk about some of those as you wish to bring them up.
0: OK. So people might question why we're playing this on a tourist radio format, but I, I see, too, tourism has an important place to play because it, it gets people out of their, what should we say, comfort zone, but where they, where they live and, and experience different places and, and, and different views of the world. And, and if, as a tourist radio format, we can talk about things that perhaps... People aren't hearing talked about in the mainstream commercial media. I think um, that we have a, a place to play there. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, your, your military background, your the, your life's work's been involved in identifying problems and finding ways around them. And and so I guess as a society, we do need to find ways around the the, the future problems of food and water. Otherwise, uh, things aren't going to work out really well. Do you want to uh, to comment on that?
1: Yes, look, I think certainly it's one of the major challenges. And there are a number of factors which don't automatically, in fact, come to mind. But the first, I think, the most significant challenge we've had, and remember, please, that we've had food and water crises throughout history, basically. But I think the challenge that is most uh, important to consider today from a global perspective has been our population growth. Uh, For the first uh, couple of hundred thousand years, we eventually came to the first billion people in the early 1800s. So it was a long time for the population to actually rise to that level. 123 years later, we had the second billion. 27 years later, we had the third billion. And of course, we had the seventh billion in 2011. And all indications are that the population is going to continue to increase... Um, probably by 2050 we'll have somewhere between about 9.3 and 10 billion people and possibly as many as 12 billion people at the end of this century. And of course this takes into account that the increase in population has slowed down considerably. It was a 2.1% annual increase in 1967 and today is probably about a 1% increase. So we're already starting to see a reduction in the, num- in, in, the, in the size of increase, um, which has been a fundamental factor for the last 100-plus years. I think the other issue which is uh, of interest to us is that we're also going to have an increasingly aging population. It's estimated that by 2050, for the first time in history, we'll have more people over the age of 60 than we have under the age of 15. And the implications of that are significant, economic, social, political, and how we're going to deal with an older population. So those are two issues that relate to population which I think have had a significant impact on what we're going to do. The other area, and I'll be very quick about this, I think, is that we have to look very carefully at food production, food usage, water, and the state of our soils. And the last one in particular, I think, is only just starting to receive the attention that it deserves.
0: I absolutely agree, I think the soil thing is it's the one that's profound, as I said, I've involved in organic agriculture. Charles Massey's produced a book called called the Reed Warbler: a New Agriculture and New Earth, and that's sort of brought this to the fore in what's now being called regenerative agriculture and the point that Charles makes in his book is that throughout history there have been twenty majors twenty six major civilizations that have collapsed when they've destroyed their soils locally and frighteningly we're doing the same thing globally so we're on a similar trajectory all the technology in the world won't help us if we destroy our soils but there's something the thing that gives me hope for the future is is the internet is providing a mechanism for discussion and having these conversations and so i think there is an opportunity for this civilization not to follow the the path of all the others do you uh, have a comment on that
1: Look, I think there's something in what you're saying, definitely. I don't agree that uh, the 26 civilizations we've had collapse because of soil, or food, or even water. They collapse for a whole range of reasons. But some of those reasons were in fact exacerbated, or in fact brought to their attention as a result of a lack of food. We've certainly got to look very carefully at our soils. Uh, it's estimated, for instance, that something like 70% of Australia's topsoils are severely degraded. And that's after 200 years of European management. If we look at the world topsoils, and we only had this done properly for the first time in 2015, the first year of soils in 2015, it was estimated that something again like about 75% of the global topsoils were in a very poor condition. So we have to do a number of things some of which i think are fairly obvious and are certainly being discussed and uh, are increasingly being used and improved we have to do something to our souls to try to regenerate if you like or to recover the lost value of our souls to make our food more nutritious to have more food interestingly enough we waste between 35 and 40 percent of our food When you look at the amount of soil that is lost as a result of making that amount of food, it's huge. It's billions of tons of topsoil. These are figures which we can't escape and we have to do something about. We're doing something about it. My hope is, of course, that we're doing enough quickly because there are still a lot of people out there who need to be convinced that this is the threat we face and even more so that we have means by which we can recover that soil but we need to start implementing
0: them. I think the recent images of the major dust storms in the eastern states maybe brings that home. And um, you know, food is something that we tend to take for granted. And there's, you know, we've sort of focused on down down on price, which, you know, that's all very well. I do understand price is important, but at the same time, if we look at what's happened in the dairy industry in Western Australia, the down down on price has just about destroyed that industry. So there's a, there's competing problems here. And again, I think from a tourism point of view, what Western Tourist Radio and Radio WA encourages is for people from the city to get out and explore regional Western Australia and interact with farmers uh, because these, these communications are important and we need to understand where each other are coming from to, uh, to get the best outcome. I'm talking to General John Hartley, the CEO of Perth-based organisation Future Directions International. John, can you explain how Future Directions International came about?
1: Yes, certainly. Look, it's an independent, uh, not-for-profit research institute. We don't answer to anybody. I have a board, of course, and a a chairman. And Michael Jeffrey, in fact, for many years was our chairman, former state governor, and, of course, governor-general. And he and Charles Court and a number of other senior West Australians decided to establish this in 2001, largely because in the eastern states a number of similar type of organisations were being raised. The Lowy Institute, for instance, the Brisbane Institute, the Sydney Institute, and so on. So West Australia was to have an institute which, which, it would, which would be its own, based here in Perth. We have three areas of concern, or three areas of interest, and they're all looking at the future. We're trying to make judgments about the future. And of course, making a judgment about the future is always a bit risky, because very often we'll get it wrong. No one can predict the future. But the challenge, of course, is to be able to recognise that the future is not what you had predicted and to be able to come forward and make that statement. And that's something that not too many people seem to be able to do properly. The three areas that we look at, we first of all, as I've just mentioned, look at the global food and water situation. And the global situation is quite different from the local situation. There are a whole range of factors that we we need to look at. We should recognize that we've got nearly a billion people today who are severely malnourished, who just simply can't afford to have the food they need. And of course, every time we have a food shortage, the price goes up. Many of these people are paid less than $2 a day, and half that number are paid less than $1 a day. So getting food to them is always going to be a challenge. Another factor which we need to recall is that while we have that number of malnourished people... We also have probably nearly twice the number of people who are severely overweight. A lot of research is being done on this issue right now, and we're starting to recognize that the nutritional value of food is bringing about this outcome, and that's something that certainly needs to be looked at. So there are a lot of issues here which uh, need consideration. Most of the food in the world is produced by almost 2 billion small farmers, people who live on a hectare in some cases, and increasingly these farmers are being affected by a range of issues that include climate change, that include uh, having less access to water, that include having a soil which is degraded and less capable of producing food, and these issues are going to be a significant challenge to future generations. That's one area that we look at. The second area that we look at is to look at the Indian Ocean region, the rim of the Indian Ocean, and try to make judgments in geostrategic terms about what the future of this region will hold for us over the next 25 years, and in particular what's happening in certain parts of that region. In Indonesia, for instance, our next-door neighbor, about which we sometimes know a great deal, but very often we don't, and to which we have an, a, an inconsistent approach. Now, I hope that that's going to change and there are certainly positive steps to suggest that might happen. This, of course, has occurred in the past as well. India, which will shortly be the world's most populous country. Pakistan. Iran, about which we're hearing a great deal. Saudi Arabia, a rich country with significant influence and South Africa. All these countries have a major role to play. Now, as Australians, we have tended generally to look north and east. And not consistently to the West. My sense is we're looking much more to the West now than we used to but it's something that we need to do in particular with a forward-thinking outlook. And the last area is looking at we started to call it Northern Australia. We had a feeling that Northern Australia was an area that again it wasn't being particularly well observed. Again, we weren't looking ahead, 20, 25 years, and we weren't making judgments about what Northern Australia could do from an Australian perspective. What would be the challenges we might face? What are the opportunities in meeting those challenges? We've expanded that slightly, and we've tended to look at Northern, Regional, and Rural Australia, and indeed a number of the issues we were talking about before very much related to that subject. Our work tends to come in a a number of different ways. Uh, We interview people who have responsibility for managing the policies in these areas, for making judgments about the future. We identify farmers, for instance, who are highly innovative and have done something that's quite spectacular and try to capture what that is and how that might be used by others. Um, We also um, have people who are experts, associates we call them, people who've worked in these areas in the past and in particular are able to look to the future so that they can show how the work they've done in the past can relate to a future which will provide a better outcome. Uh, we publish our work very easily, very quickly. It's open to the public. Uh, we have a website which can be easily uh, reached. We have about uh, 40,000 people who see our product every month and we publish probably the order of close to four million pages of work. Four million pages of, that are viewed, I should say, not published, but viewed. So it's quite a significant issue, and uh, I'm delighted to, to take any more questions.
0: Well, I think that's probably enough for today, John. I really appreciate your time, but I look forward to ongoing conversations and the, to for Radio WA to become a part of this, uh, this discussion.
1: Well, thank you very much indeed, and uh, I I feel privileged to be part of this process. Thank you.
0: You can hear all this interview online by going to touristradio.com.au forward slash conversations, where you'll also hear conversations with other innovative West Australians. You're listening to Radio WA, telling the stories of people and places in Western Australia.